The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach would be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more, SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan-friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto-friendly. They've all been well-researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT2020 at SlayRx.com for 10% off. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm an endurance athlete. I am a mom to three girls, and I am also an accountant. My name is Patrick Gollinger. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, and I'm just someone who likes to talk to smart and interesting people. 
My name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach up in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to two teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife. Right on. We have the whole crew. I am as excited about this particular episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast than I have been for any particular episode for at least the last two or three years. Because I thought you were going to say weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was excited about the last one we did too, but this one is particularly exciting because not only do we have the full complement of most pleasant exhaustion regulars here. They have all four of us here, but we also reached out on this year-end podcast to all the people that we had on the podcast as guests over the course of this year um, and asked them to give us uh, some reflections on the year. Um, First of all, we asked everybody what their favorite race of the year was. And of course, Patrick and Michelle and Eric and I are going to answer these questions as well. And it can be a race that you did or a race that you watched or or something else like that. Um, Your favorite race of the year and of course, why? Uh, And the second thing we asked is we wanted to know what is your big takeaway from 2020? 2020 was a unique year for all of us in our lives. It was a unique year, uh, obviously, in endurance sports and in racing. And we were just kind of wanted to see where everybody was here at the end of the year, what you're thinking, how your life has changed, and of course, what you're going to carry forward into uh, 2021. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Excited. What do you think? How are we going to start? I feel like we need to start with Eric. Eric is the newest uh, addition to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast team. I feel like we should actually kick it off with Eric telling us, Eric, what was your favorite race and what's your big takeaway from 2020? Starts with your favorite race, man. Well, it's it's good that you asked me the questions in tandem and you didn't ask for like response between them because <laughs> it's it's more of a it's more of a combination of how my favorite two races uh, sort of epitomized why I run and why I am into endurance. Um, athletics you know so just it 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 really brought it home to me and it was a it was a special year because of those two events so uh, the two events i'm talking about are first uh, the blue ridge relay which i was lucky enough to run with george and and some of our other friends not as many as we had hoped Hmm. (laughs) but which is a big piece of it and then my other favorite race most memorable race was the race i just completed a couple days ago the charleston 100 Mm -hmm. and the reason, so is to kind of set the stage and kind of explain why those are my two memorable races is to explain my big takeaway for the year. So cool. um, if you know anything about George, you know, he's a, he's, he's a big uh, performance um, focused individual. So you can imagine what uh, he and our other uh, fraternity brothers do when we plan for this race. We literally figure out how many we have people-wise, what legs they're going to run, where their strengths will fall. Sometimes we do a little jostling because somebody wants to run some specific uh, leg in the race. Uh, I'm not too particular, but my whole focus for that was we need to go out there and put our best foot forward and win because uh, I'm, I align myself with George in that way. If we're going to put all this time and effort into it, it's going to be about winning. It's going to be about doing the, the best, you know, putting, putting out the best possible effort, and finishing as, as high in the, in the standings as we can. Um, for me personally, I had a really interesting set of legs. We all ran seven legs. I had four legs that were 2.8 to 3.5 miles long, which is a little bit unheard of. Um, and then I finished uh, with two legs that were nine miles or greater. And so, and I think George, what was my total elevation drop was almost a mile. Mm-hmm. Love so, it. It was almost all downhill. Mm-hmm. And 
And that was good because I was coming off of a, uh, well, coming off of, I still have it, but I, I have a, I have a bone spur on my heel and it was, it had been diagnosed as an Achilles injury. So going downhill actually was good uh, as opposed to going uphill. And when we got there, I had a whole plan of how I was going to attack this. And I attacked it. I really killed it. And I went wild on the first, uh, <laughs> well, on the first five legs, I went absolutely insane. I'm running sub six thirties at times. I was running, you know, down in the six ten, six fifteen, which is pretty insane for a runner of my caliber. Um, but they were short legs. I felt great at the end of them. I was passing people. Um, and then things started to unravel and in, uh, the, the last two legs I had were the nine mile legs. And as things started unraveling, I started having a lot more time uh, to think about why I was doing what I was doing. And the most memorable part of that entire race, well, I had two. Um, uh, one was um, a friend of ours, Lee Ragsdale, laying on the floor of the van in complete <laughs> body spasm because he was completely dehydrated. He, he, his abs were actually spasming. And <laughs> To know us, we are laughing as this goes on, um, oh, yeah. and, and he is trying to laugh, but that's just causing other parts of his body to spasm. Um, at this point, I think the seriousness of the event was starting to shed itself, and I was starting to realize kind of where we were. Um, uh, I will point out that uh, Lee was not hydrating with Slayer X. He was actually using a, a competitor's uh, product. What was that, George? Some inferior product. I don't know what Some it was. Some inferior product. I, I, I was in a similar situation as Lee was last year in the 2019 Blue Ridge Relay using some product. I don't know what it was. And I hydrated this year with Slayer X and had no such issues. Right. But so, you didn't share any with Lee to make him feel better? <laughs> <laughs> Season on the floor of the van. No, you could not have my Slayer X. <laughs> I, I would have if I would have taken a pause long enough to consider why it was that his jaw and his abs and his, oh, the arches of his feet and everything else were cramping. Um, but we were too busy just making fun of him about it because that's kind of how we roll. Blue Ridge Relay is a different roll. kind of event. Anyway, that is so, how we so, roll. so anyway, keep going, keep going. So anyway, to, to, to tie this all together, you know, in my last leg, uh, three, three and a half or four miles downhill and then three and a half or four miles down a country road, I actually had planned to run in the low sevens. And I, I think I had a couple of 10 minute, maybe even 11 minute mile in there. And I just, the wheels just came off. And I started thinking, you know, why am I doing this? What is important to me? And, you know, what, what makes this still an enjoyable event and tells me I'm going to do it again next year. And the reality is I'm all about community and relationship and putting together an epic adventure. I want to perform. I want to do really well, but those things really come secondary to the other stuff. It was so much fun and it was so enjoyable to be with others doing the same type of event and just enjoying it. Um, and, you know, to, 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 just to poke a little more at Lee, um, Lee ran <laughs> after George each, and this, 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 this puts a, you know, this puts an exclamation point on it. Lee runs after George each leg. And um, I think George's second to last leg or last leg, you know, we usually you're warmed up, you're ready to go. The guy comes in, touch <laughs> hands and you take off and George finishes and Lee is literally sitting on the ground <laughs> with no shoes on. No no shoes shoes. I mean, he's just, he's just not even remotely ready to go. 
And this, this is the morning rain. Sec- it was my second to last leg. No, yeah. It, it wasn't raining and we were, and it wasn't without prodding. Like we had said, Hey Lee, you know, it's about 30 minutes before <laughs> this time to go. You need to start getting ready. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And, and Lee is a planner and he's usually ready for all this stuff. And he had been warming up and cooling down and, you know, but I think that that attitude kind of that performance attitude shed itself and we still had a phenomenal time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you fast forward to the, Charleston 100 that my daughter and I just competed in. And uh, I went into this 100% in support of my daughter. It had nothing to do with my performance. We had a goal time. We went out there. Um, I'll I'll tell you this, uh, the night before uh, we were supposed to show up to the start line, uh, she had some Achilles issues and we had to drop out of a little two mile warmup run. And the night was spent trying to figure out how to deal with that, you know, shoes, warm up, calf sleeves, massage. Um, we actually came up with a plan where the first mile of this 100 you, you do on a track, we walked all four laps just to warm up because it was about 35 degrees outside. And I said, we're just, we're just going to warm up. And she kept saying, but we need to go. You know, I was like, no, 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 we need to warm up. And she said, what about our time? And I said, that's ah, no big deal. And so, you know, back to that relationship and community, this was all about my relationship with my daughter and trying to get her through this event. And I'll tell you, this was the most grueling event I've ever done. Um, we, we had a plan. Um, we, had, we had a goal time of 24 hours, which is somewhere around 14, 20 miles. Um, and we did our best to follow that. And it just didn't work out. Uh, her, her hydration and fueling plan didn't work out. And she, she got sick. And we just kept pushing through it. I mean, at 35 miles, she's throwing up on the side of the trail. And although I wasn't making fun of her, like I would George, <laughs> you know, I was, I was wondering like, what's going to happen? Like, cause you got one of two things is going to happen. She's going to quit, you know, cause it's just too much or she's going to feel a whole lot better. And what's hilarious is she treated me like George or Lee would treat me at this point. She gets done. She says, can I wipe my face? Yeah. And then she goes tearing down the trail. <laughs> she just takes off right? She's like, okay, I'm done. Let's go. And I, I literally over the next 27 miles spent a lot of time chasing her, like trying <laughs> to catch up to her. Cause I would stop to take care of something at the van, you know, for our checkpoints and she'd go. Um, but we made it, um, stumbling literally to 62 miles. And I looked back and, and, and we had this conversation during the whole thing uh, about, I kept telling her, Grace, this is about doing an epic adventure with you. Like, I don't care if we get to a hundred miles, this is about doing an epic adventure with you. And she's like, but dad, you can still finish. And you know, you could do this. And I said, Nope, that's not what it is. This is about you. So it kind of came back to, I want to perform. I want to do really well. I would love to go back to the Charleston 100 and run a sub 20. But what I really, really got out of this and what I really, really enjoyed about both the Blue Ridge Relay and the Charleston 100K is what it became because we, we made it to 62 miles and we had to tap out, um, not the 100 mile, but 100K. It was about relationship and community. And uh, we had the most fun that we have ever had spending 15 hours, no more than, well, she probably got a half mile away from me a couple of times, but for the most part, no more than like 10 or 15 feet away from one another. Um, and we, we joked about how we were going to run out of things to talk about. We never ran out of things to talk about. We joked about how we were going to get mad at one another and frustrated with one another. And one was going to storm off. Never happened. Um, so that mindset changed. I mean, that's mind. because she left you in the dust. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> possibly. She was actually mad at me. and she ran, yeah. That never happened. 
And when we, when we stopped at 62 miles, it was a agreement between the two of us. Um, it was, we can't go any further. You know, her, her hydration and fueling wasn't happening and we were having to go too slow to stay warm. It was just too yeah. cold and yeah. we couldn't recover. So our muscles are locking up, you know, there's just nothing you can do about it. Um, kind of the, the, the exclamation point to that story, the reason why we got the 62 miles is because one of our other fraternity brothers, Brett, uh, he was in the race also, and he had to tap out at 60 miles. And when he sent the message to me, Grace said, well, I've got to go at least 61 and 62 is hundred K. So let's go, let's go to 62. So we actually stopped at 60. She put a new pair of shoes on, warmed up in the van, and then we stumbled through the last two miles. And if nothing else, uh, I've created, like our relationship has created this attitude that she can have that sarcastic, funny, you know, um, relationship with me and with running. And I just love that. So those are my two favorite races. That's my big takeaway from this year. It's been a crazy year, but I've learned that, you know, running to me and these ultra events to me, yeah, they're about performance and I want to do that, but it's really about relationship and community. Right on, right on. Um, I think that, that um, I have two big thoughts there. Uh, and thanks for sharing. I was, I was hoping we were going to get to talk about the 100K that you did two days ago. <laughs> because because there's, there's a part of me that I wanted to be like, Eric, tell us about your 100K. But I also know that we have a lot we want to talk about tonight. We want to kind of do this big year end wrap up. But I, I was hoping that, that, that your favorite race of the year and or your takeaway would be something I'd be related to this. So I'm glad that they were. Um, but, uh, but, but I feel like a lot of people that we talk to and a lot of the stuff that we're going to share over the course of the next little while here were people who, who were finding these deeper meanings um, about, about running and what it means to them and, and endurance sports in general. Um, you know, as I was thinking about my own reflections on the year, Michelle and I, and a lot of the podcasts we did in the middle of the year, like around, you know, the early fall and stuff like that. Um, Michelle and I talked a lot about your why. Um, you know, we talked about with Happy Runner and, and Patrick, you were in that conversation. They talked so much about finding your why. And, I, and, and it was kind of to Michelle's dismay. Like, she was like, why do we, you got a quick comment? We're talking about this. Why, why, do, why do I have to re really focus on this sort of thing? And, and I felt compelled to, but I, I don't think that it's, it's no coincidence that we spent so much time talking about our why in this particular year. And, and we're not the only people who spent a lot of time thinking about what's the point of all this stuff why am I doing this when all the races are canceled? Um, I think that that was a very common theme that I found in a lot of the things that, that people shared with us. What do y'all think? I think you just stole the entryway to my takeaway from the year. <laughs> why don't you go ahead and share with us your takeaway from the year then? <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get a lot of street credit with this, which is super unusual <laughs> for me, but um, the Pixar movie Soul that just came out I actually watched it three times this weekend. So if you have any concept of me watching a movie three times, that means I was sitting on the couch, mostly doing nothing else, but um, You could have watched some other movie. Why did you watch the same movie three times? I'm gonna explain it to you. You're not letting me talk. Right, so bad, just give bad. me a second. Okay, my bad, my bad. so I, like George has said, have been extremely disgruntled by the whole, what is your why? Um, looking for this, you know, big, takeaway, take home message, something to chase after. And I think Soul came out and it was basically brought down the message that it's not about, you know, going after this one big goal or this one big why, so to speak, but it's all the 
mundane things that go into everyday life that make life worth life and worth living. And those are the experiences that, yeah, they could build to a why, you know, they could create a story to tell. But if you stop looking for just the here and the now day in and day out, like you're not even going to be living your life. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of made me take a step back and it just took a little bit of pressure off, I would say, in that if I can do that, and I've, I've done that a lot this year, mostly because I was forced to, um, you know, if I've got kids in and out of school and on the days that my six-year-old was out of school because somebody was quarantined, I came up with a system where I would work from 2.45 a.m. to 6.45, run for an hour, and then, you know, be available to her from nine to three to do her Zoom schooling. So there were so many days that it literally was just get through the hour or get through breakfast or get through the day. And finding meaning in that was way easier and, and made way more palpable for me than going after this big why. So I like soul because I think it, it brought meaning to that. And there's doesn't have to be this massive why, or you're not doing something wrong if you can't, you know, assign something to it or define it. So that's kind of my takeaway from this year. And I think most people no matter what our routines were, or what our flow states were, like we've, a lot of us have had to just fall back to just one day at a time. So, um, yeah, no doubt. I'm away from the big, what's my why for now? Soul saved me. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Pixar, for bringing me, you know, <laughs> a respite from this pursuit of what is my why. <laughs> right on, right on. Patrick, what are you going to say? Uh, I was like, that certainly makes a lot of sense. And to kind of bring it back to running too, a lot of people had their, their why taken away when they had the races take, taken away. Mm -hmm. So then they had to find beauty and just kind of the day-to-day -day moments and the day-to-day -day runs. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and it, it no longer could be about qualifying for Boston, running a PR, you know, whatever they, or, you know, being a part of this big spectacle, like a, like a New York city marathon. And it just had to be about putting your shoes on and enjoying a run where you're not staring at a screen for an hour and you're just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. To, you know, enjoying the simple, simple aspect of our sport or the simplicity of our sport. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of interesting to hear, you know, Michelle talking about how her reaction was like, why do I need to find a why, you know, and, and some people's reaction is, well, I need to make sure I find one right away so I can kind of connect or kind of put yeah. a framework around the day to day. So it's, it's been interesting to see kind of, or just have these conversations because we were all kind of thrown into this, you know, boiling pot, um, you know, rather, rather abruptly in March. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, um, it's an ice breaking activity that companies and schools will use and all that sort of thing. It's called compass points. And it's about different personalities that people have. And, you know, you have your North, your South, your East and your West personality. And, and I'm, I tend to be an East personality. Um, and an East personality is somebody who likes to see the big picture and, and always likes to have the big goal in mind. Um, but sometimes doesn't really appreciate all the details. Um, and then a West personality is somebody who, who um, is the opposite. I mean, is it, somebody who, who needs to know exactly what the process is going to be um, mm -hmm. before they can, they can really get to what the project is. And, and of course, any functional team has both of those people on it, right? Um, somebody who is very process oriented, but also somebody who is able to keep in mind the larger goal. And so, so yeah, I mean, just from what you just described, uh, Michelle, it very much sounds like, you know, you're a West and I'm an East and, and, and that's, that makes perfect sense. And I think that's, frankly, it's one of the reasons why I think we get along. Um, 
because, but even though we, we approach the world in very different ways, um, because I, I want to know what that big why is. And it's like, okay, I got what the why is. And so now I need to do this today. That justifies why I need to do this today. Um, that's just who I am as a person. It's not necessarily who I am as a coach, but it's who I am as a person, as an athlete myself. Um, and I think you're somebody who, who would rather kind of just focus on, okay, let me do this right now. And then eventually, once I've focused on this enough days in a row, then I can ultimately kind of get to the why. Great. What which... pace is tempo pace? Don't just write tempo pace. What pace do you want me to run tomorrow morning for 75 minutes exactly? I would never tell you to run tempo pace for 75 minutes because that's that's impossible based upon what my definition of tempo pace is. But... You know what I mean. <laughs> um, well, so so um, let, let's... let's um, even though Michelle's segues really into to my big takeaway of the year, I do want to bring in some of the other voices of people that we we uh, talked to this year. And so um, I don't think that there's there's a really good order or necessarily a pre-planned order here that we're going to bring them in. So why don't we actually start with uh, Katie Bennett? Katie, we actually called up Katie or Michelle called up Katie uh, and recorded some audio with Katie here. And so um, uh, Michelle, do you want to remind us who Katie is while I pull up the audio? Sure. Katie is a uh, local to Atlanta runner, um, originally from Rhode Island. She has a pretty popular Instagram account that she shares with another recreational runner called Two Fab uh, Fit Chicks. <laughs> and we brought her on just to talk about she had done a Dirty Spokes Trail race, which was kind of one of the first races to come back with some of the COVID protocols and, and to hear about her experience with that uh, and then reached back out to her to find out how the rest of 2020 was for her. All right, so let's drop in this uh, this audio with Katie here, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what she said. So last time we spoke with Katie Bennett, she had just finished uh, Dirty Spokes Trail Race, and we thought we would kind of check back in with her and see now that the year is almost winding down and at an end, what your favorite race of the year was. Not that there were many, but uh, yeah. maybe you could yeah. share with us. <laughs> which yeah, sure. Yeah, so definitely we're not that many races. Uh, I was glad I even got to race in any at all. So some on the road, some on, you know, trails. Um, but I would have to say my favorite race is probably the public's half only because that was like the culmination of an awesome weekend with the Olympic trials here, like running a race, not really knowing what was coming with everything shutting down. I think it was kind of not ignorance is bliss, but just had no idea what was going to happen the rest of the year. So it was like the last real, real, real race that there wasn't any alter like alterations to it. It was just a normal race and just the whole atmosphere. It, it was great. Looking back on that weekend, it's crazy to think that that was only nine or 10 months ago. It seems like a right. lifetime ago, but that, that definitely was my favorite race. And just having the adrenaline from the day before and watching the trials and running, uh, it, it was pretty awesome, especially to have it in our home city of Atlanta too. Yeah, I think throughout the year, uh, a lot of us have kind of referred to that whole weekend, both the Olympic marathon trials and the public's race uh, the day after that is kind of the last time before the world turned upside down. <laughs> um, so now that it, we have gone from, you know, February 29th and March 1st, and it's about to be uh, the very end of 2020, what do you think is your biggest takeaway from the year? Um, I think that, you know, running never gets taken away. Yes, our racing might be a little bit different, but, you know, to still be able to run, honestly, that's what I like doing. So, yes, obviously that racing is not enjoyable. It's not fun to have Boston and big races canceled. But I think my biggest takeaway is running is always there, and that's definitely what I love doing. I unfortunately, obviously, you know, couldn't run for the last 
two or two plus three months with plantar fasciitis and having that gone during quarantine really um, elevated kind of stress levels and overall just like not as happy as when I could run. So I think just um, my biggest takeaway is just how much running really does mean to me in general and just that you can always do it. You know, there's virtual races. Those aren't obviously as fun as the real thing, but I did do some virtual races before I got injured and it, it, it you know, you can, you can still push yourself. You can still get, you know, reach goals. In the goals. pool specifically, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in the pool. And you had and some I, pretty big swimming PRs the past few months, right? <laughs> I did. I did. So I have never been like a swimmer that raced. I would swim to stay in shape or swim when I was injured. And I saw my time significantly drop in the pool where I would be around two minutes per hundred yards. Whereas I was swimming for an hour straight at like a 148 average. So it was pretty significant to see that. Um, and it gave me something to look forward to beyond running racing. So it must feel pretty good. I mean, I think you've been back on off the Ultra G for what, about two weeks at the most maybe? Two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, it still is like weird every time I take my first step that I'm actually running again, but then you know, once you're in it and I'm like, oh, I want to keep going, but got to be smart. So, you know, yeah. take, so it seems like a pretty awesome way to end 2020 back on your feet, back on the roads. So, yes, yes, it is. So I was just, just wanted to be able to run by Christmas. And that was the doctor that, that I've been seeing for my foot. His goal was to have me running by Christmas. So that was oh, awesome. Nice. We look yeah. forward to uh, keeping up with whatever is in store for you for 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we're kind of fortunate in the South where we will have some races. They, you know, they might be, they're going to look and feel different than normal races, but we have an opportunity, I think, to be able to race if we, if we want to. See you at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. <laughs> what is it? Where is it going to be? Yeah. Anyone want think... to run a half marathon, a bunch of laps around a motor speedway? <laughs> yeah. There's that. And there's also a really good one in Greenville. I, I believe it's the same weekend on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. They uh, That's a really nice half that um, if by training, you know, knock on wood, I'm building it, it's fine. I kind of, I, I want to set my sights on doing that kind of more as a workout. Sure. But, yeah. Well, awesome. We're going to keep following you. Check back in next year. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we're talking about races going back to normal next year when we, you know, next time we check in or at least trending that way. Don't we all? Yeah. All right. So there we had Katie Bennett talking about her big takeaway of the year and her favorite race of the year. Um, <clears throat> how many people we talked to said that the marathon trials were their favorite race of the year? <laughs> I mean, arguably anybody from Atlanta has a really good reason, <laughs> especially if they were there to, to hold that race as their favorite race of the year. Absolutely. Almost everybody maybe said that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Understandably. We're going to talk to Justin Smith in a few minutes. He's going to say that Lauren Fogarty said that I'll read her statement next, but, but, but yeah. Um, and then what'd y'all think about her, her big takeaway of the year running is always there. She said. I, I really like that. Yeah, I would say I loved it, especially when considering she, like the obvious caveat is like, well, what if you get hurt or get sick? And she and she will <laughs> yes. said, and I got hurt this year, and that made me almost made the heart, or was it as made the heart go fonder? Mm -hmm. Where she said, yeah, I missed it, but I realized for the most part, running's always going to be here for me, mm -hmm. even if I don't have the big events. The still the the day to day happiness and joy I get from it's still here. Mm -hmm. So I thought right. that was a pretty profound point. I think that was a lesson a lot of us learned mm -hmm. in, in quarantine this year. I felt so the I, same way. I felt like running was just a major constant throughout 2020. And like Katie, I mean, I had a, what, six to eight week period where there was no running, but, and it's easier to say this when you're on the other side and you're running, you know, feeling pretty good now, but just the pursuit of mm -hmm. getting back to being able to run, going from, you know, no miles at all running to, 
getting on the bike to walk running to, you know, getting off the bike and just running just the whole pursuit to get back. And it's like, even if you aren't running, I think for a lot of us who are uh, endurance athletes and uh, running is, you know, the primary sport, like it is always there. Like we might be engaged in it or we might be unable to engage in it and trying to get back to it, but it's still just kind of waiting for us to get back to. Um, in that kind of the beauty of our sport too, and I would say add a, even a third state too to your list of maybe we're not super engaged in running, but we can kind of take a passive approach to it of like, I'm just going to jog for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Maybe not sure. even be coached or have a training plan, but I'm just take 30 minutes a day to, to get outside and enjoy the sport I lo have loved for most of my life. Right Eric, what were you going to say? I was going to say, it's funny. Uh, the other Katie you had on your podcast this year said um, she Katie had that statement. Katie Arnold, she had "Run Where You Are." Mm -hmm. um, she when she was talking about that her book "Running Home," mm -hmm. and I actually mm -hmm. thought Katie was going to get there because she said running is always there, and I thought she was going to get to you know run where you are because I feel like that was a big takeaway for me this year. Maybe not the biggest, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. I had no coach. I felt like I couldn't coach myself anymore. I had no race that I was building up for, for myself. And I just said, you know, um, I'm going to go out and do some stupid run. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do something I'd never done before. I, I did a couple of those challenges where, you, you know, it's a virtual race and you run on your own. I went out um, earlier this, this month, I said, I'm going to go ride a hundred miles on my trainer in the, in the garage in 32 degrees. You know, I just, I just said, well, here are the things that I can do, the tools I have, and I'm going to go enjoy them. And I thought it was great. Her, you know, running is always there until it's not, you mm -hmm. know, but she found something to fill the void. And, you know, you spoke about the swimming, you know, and I think I thought that was really cool. You know, no race, no goal. What do you do next? You mm -hmm. figure it out. Yeah. R running is always there until it's not, but it's still kind of always there too. It's like Michelle had this, this period off this year. I had a period off this year. Um, uh, that was, I had a special injury in addition to my chronic injury. Um, but, but you know, I, I had, I had some time off this year as well, but it was, it was always something that I was going to circle back to. It was always something I was going to come back to. And I, and something I could come back to, it wasn't like it's my opportunity to get back to. So yeah, it, it, it was, it was not like it was gone forever. It was not like it, it, it had been always taken from me. Although um, there so are moments that that it does feel like it's gone forever. Sure. <laughs> and you have to remind yourself like, no, mm -hmm. it's okay, you'll get back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it comes back to those those horrible times, you know, we, we talked about Grace's, it's not really an injury, but she had a, you know, a breathing issue. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, th those things where you, you're just- Grace, your daughter. You can, Grace, my daughter, right. You just cannot run really when you start getting back into it. You know, that was one thing we talked about during the Charleston 100. Hey, um, six months ago, you wouldn't have been able to do this, mm -hmm. you know? It, so it just makes it that much sweeter. Um, and, you know, we're, we're crossing some bridge and we're not worrying about the fact that we're, we're running or the times we're just enjoying where we are out in the, you know, out in South Carolina, Isle of Palms and stuff. So run Patrick, where you I, are. Patrick, I feel like we got to throw it to you because, because you spent more injured time this year than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I might be sharing too much here, uh, and, or, or letting our listeners in on something that maybe you're not looking to share. But but um, but welcome back, us, Patrick. <laughs> but 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 talk to us about kind of kind of where you are and and what your big takeaway of the year is. Yeah. Um, so my big takeaway for the year, in, in a way, it was 
um, honestly more well said by, by the Katie's than what I, what I could ever say. But um, when life changed this year, as, as it did for all of us in very profound ways, in ways that we honestly couldn't even imagine, even when at first we were first told we'd have to stay at home, we couldn't imagine the depth that it would take on. Like you can't see families over the holidays. You can't go get a haircut or you can't, you know, go to, you know, religious services. I mean, you know, a lot of upheaval came along. Running in all of its simplicity could be a consistent in our lives and could kind of morph to be what we needed it to be at the time, right? And for some folks, um, you know, I mean, there was some, some real loss there because we couldn't run with our groups the way we wanted to. We couldn't do our Tuesday morning track workouts together, which was an important routine for a lot of us. I mean, we joke about church of the Sunday long run because, you know, like a church, you know, service or church group, a lot of times running group is an important social ritual. It's a, it's a time and in a place where you can check in with your, your, your people, your tribe, so to speak. Um, and for me, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting at two separate points here, but one, it made me appreciate the group that much more because I realized how important those check-ins were. Um, and I, I was telling my wife not too long ago, I said, it's interesting how many little things that we used to have, a lot of little social check-ins that we used to have that I would never even think were that important. Like I wouldn't even think to list in my like to-do list or my, you know, kind of recap of the week, so to speak. But once it was taken away from me, I certainly realized just how important those little check-ins are from a social perspective. And then back to the running piece, I think it's, it, it, this, this um, whole experience has really taught me how much I enjoy running as a ritual, as a way to kind of combat the kind of digitization of our life from beginning to end. I mean, from, you know, work to personal life where, you know, most of our life is lived through a screen. I mean, here we are on a Zoom call together, um, but running was always that way to kind of get back to something primal, something very kind of natural, something that doesn't really require explanation. I mean, heck, I can go for a roll with my puppy who has, you know, not the highest IQ in the world and he knows how to go for a run and he knows how to run and chase. And um, that was just something that I've always enjoyed. And so, you know, my two big takeaways for the year are one, just how important that social aspect is, which I think just about everyone has had that realization. So I don't think there's anything unique there. And the second piece is how it can always be there for us and kind of be it malleable because due to its simplicity. So there are times where I'm feeling great. I feel like I'm on top of the world and that season of life, I'm gunning for a PR and I'm trying to run hard, you know, every tempo run and I'm trying to, to race. And there are some seasons of life where I'm like, I just want to enjoy and have some time to myself and some time outside. So those are kind of, I, I would say my two big takeaways. And then to your point about how, you know, I have been on, Unfortunately, unable to run uh, for multiple weeks here. Um, I've realized how much I miss it. You know, there's some things like some, some breakups leave you kind of questioning, like, is it better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all? For me, my reaction is, man, I can't wait to get to running again. There's been no disappointment or despondence. Oh, you know, just with every day that I can't run, I just think, man, am I lucky to have something like this in my life that I can enjoy? Right on, right on. Very good. Very good. Um, so much in what you just said. <laughs> um, the, the, the social aspect of it, certainly, you know, I, I'm reminded of our, a friend of the podcast, Caitlin Burris, who 
um, I need to bring her on the podcast at some point, but she she's a, a blogger and a, and and a marathoner, an ultra marathoner, and an athlete. Um, but she uh, works for GE, and she said that when all of the things started shutting down and people started working from home and that sort of thing in March and April, you know, a lot of people started running because they couldn't go to their gyms, mm-hmm. and and so because the people in her office knew that she was a runner and an endurance athlete they started saying to her okay what advice do you have for me about being in a being a runner like how do i do this and how do i enjoy it and she said it was hard because all the normal advice i would give none of it applied anymore she said normally i would say pick a goal or a race and she said the races are all off the calendar she said i would i would tell them to go to a local running store and and get fitted for the right pair of shoes and you can't do that right now because all those stores are closed um, and I would say to find a group and some good partners to run with. And you can't do that right now because none of them are meeting and we're all locked down right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think that, that that speaks to, and, 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 and it's, it's definitely, you know, subtext of what you just talked about, what an upheaval this was. Um, I mean, for all of us in lots of ways, but, but particularly for, for the running community that is such a social group um, mm-hmm. and, it, and is so accustomed to getting together and, and celebrating that church of the long run. But yeah, I mean, this is this is as close as I've been to you, Patrick, via Zoom here. Uh, this is the closest I've been to you in, in months and months and months. And how many times did we run together in 2017 and 2018? Countless times. Yeah, yeah over 100. Yeah, yeah. Strangely enough, I've run more with Eric, who lives in Raleigh, who lives 300 miles from me, than I have either Michelle or Patrick here, who live in my town, um, because Eric and I did the Blue Ridge Relay together. Um, I mean, you've never run with me once, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I've run the first few steps of like, maybe the last few steps a little bit. Um, I was thinking about running with you next week, though, but we're going to talk about that afterwards. Um, you, know, right. you know, George, I'd like to touch on something that Patrick said, you know, appreciating the group and the social aspect. What I think is really interesting is, you know, George says he's run more with me than he has with you guys. Um, but I know up where you're until- going with this and I totally agree. <laughs> it must be nice being so omniscient there george <laughs> so george and i spent a considerable amount of time together in in college but um after college we really didn't spend much time together at all and running is what brought us back together uh, the blue ridge relay and then uh peyton's uh, 10 by 5k but those were just two events. And really, if it wasn't talking about those or planning for those, we really didn't talk much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this past year, though, we've gotten to the point where we have a weekly ritual Saturday where we do a, uh, a Zwift ride. And there's four of us that ride. And uh, at any one time, you could have two, one, or all four of us. And to the, to the degree that, just to give you an idea how important this is, we actually have a guy who doesn't ride who checks in with us just to make fun of us for riding bikes uh, on Discord. So we got to meet Discord this guy. <laughs> yeah, you, you have. He was at the Blue Ridge oh. Relay. Yeah, it was Brett. So I, I think that we have actually taken advantage of this situation and we've actually created more ritual than we had before then. And I think it's actually, it's really helped us out because we've actually talked about, like we, t- we make fun of one another and we do all sorts of things, but we actually talked through some pretty big things. And uh, one of our riders, um, runners, riders, he, he had a really significant injury and a real bike ride, you know, and, but we kept in touch with him. We actually have two different uh, chat groups that we, I, I'd say there's a hundred messages a day. Would you say, George? 
That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. A hundred messages a day <laughs> in these two different chat groups, you know, one's the running group and one's the writing group. And, and, you know, to the point where Brian's even saying, Hey, we need to do Ram 2022. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to do this other thing. And I, so I think that, that, that we didn't really even have this ritual and we built it in this, yeah. in this crazy mm-hmm. environment. yeah and and yeah i agree and it's funny the people who have become my 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 most common training partners in 2020 are not the people that i would have thought would be my training partners if you said on january 1st hey george who's gonna be your primary training partner this year it's It's not we can't keep up with you um because none of us can keep up with you george so that's not it patrick keep up with me just fine i probably would have guessed patrick ollander and it's and it it wasn't him Um, that's what uh, i'm trying to say the the people that can do this with you are the people who can't keep up with you (laughs) So the, 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 but like, it's, it's not only the three of you that I ride with on Zwift who are, who are some of my most frequent and reliable training partners this year. Um, but you know, we, we've gotten in the habit now of doing, uh, we offer virtual trainer road group workouts on, on six thirty in the morning on Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, and we have some regulars there and, and I get to ride bikes and do this sometimes very hard workout, um, with people that I had never really worked out with before. Um, and I knew them, some of them, um, but not well. And, and now I feel as if I've gotten to know some of these people fairly well, because we've done what Patrick and I have done so many times and what Eric and I have done so many times. Mm-hmm. We've just kind of gone on runs together and just sort of hung out and talked about whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it is kind of incredible the way that, that so many of these virtual groups have supplanted some of those in-person groups. So, which is a nice lead in by the way, to Lauren Fogarty. Lauren Fogarty has been on the podcast twice. The first time she was on the podcast uh, was talking about the Boston Marathon that she did in 2018 with Patrick when it was 34 degrees and it was brutal weather and and all that sort of thing. And then we had her on the podcast this year um, and she and my wife, Casey and Michelle and I talked about uh, being vegan and and the, the short vegan experiment I did in the five weeks leading up to the Blue Ridge Relay in August and September, um, some of the challenges and some of the reasons behind that. So I reached out to Lauren, who's an English teacher, um, and, and said, Lauren, tell us about your favorite race and tell us about your why. So favorite race, she starts off. My favorite race to watch this year was the Olympic trial, obviously. It was a runner nerd's dream come true to see the country's best marathoners race through my city. And it was just as inspiring to see how great of a job our local Atlanta track club did in producing and hosting the event. It really gave me a sense of being part of a legit running organization and being quote on the map, unquote. This will lead into my takeaway for the year, but that was really special in that the entire Atlanta running community was out there in the streets together. And there was a sense of collective jubilation among all of us coming together to celebrate the pinnacle of marathoning in the US. My favorite event to do this year was the Yeti Ultra 24-Hour Challenge. I liked it because it was very different from anything I'd ever done. And quick side note here, um, the Yeti 24-Hour Challenge was uh, five-mile runs every four hours for 24 hours. So over the course of 24 hours, you would do 30 miles. Um, And we got a group of people together, and we met on Zoom every four hours, and we kind of rallied everyone, and, and everybody ran separately but together. Uh, anyway, she says, in January, a friend asked me what my goals or resolutions I had for the new year. I hadn't made any real resolutions, but I told her that my theme of the year was going to be new, as in creating new experiences and trying new things. Ha! Clearly, I'm a psychic because 2020 was nothing if not new. 
Anyway, it being a departure from anything I'd done before was the main reason I didn't enjoy the Yeti challenge. I'd never run a distance longer than a marathon. I'd never done anything that had multiple legs of the same sport. And I'd never done a race event that was done alone but together in that I was part of a group of people doing the same event but at separate locations. I also really dig the feeling of finishing an event and feeling completely spent that I've just explored the limits of my body in a new way, which Yeti definitely provided. Also, I've never raced from home or gotten to choose my route before. So that piece of added convenience was lovely. My biggest takeaway from this year is how interdependent we humans are. Watching how difficult it has been for people to physically distance themselves from each other and how emotionally and psychologically challenging this year has been really proves what social beings we are. COVID-19 has proven that not only does our mental well-being depend on our fellow humans, but our physical well-being as well. An individual can be as COVID conscious as he or she possibly can, but we all still depend on the collective actions of our fellow humans to truly be safe and healthy. This has always been true, but COVID really pushed into the forefront of my consciousness. This translated into my life as an athlete because it reinforced the desire need to be with my fellow humans and to be part of a community. I would never have done the Yeti challenge if I were the only one doing it. And even though I was alone while doing it, one of my favorite things about it was knowing that there were other ITL members out there doing it along with me. The pre-race planning conversations took place over Facebook, the camaraderie of the check-in phone calls between each leg, and of course the final we finished Zoom call. I found that I lived for the handful of in-person races that I did. And even though there were only a handful of other people around at the start and the end of the race, just being able to race with other people versus against myself slash the clock in the virtual races I'd done made a huge difference. It also made a big tradition races like the Boston, the Boulder, Boulder, and the Peachtree when the whole community runners and non-runners alike come together to celebrate their home city. I miss training with my friends. I miss the post-race hugs, high fives, and debriefs. I miss the cheering tents. I miss sharing a lane at a pool. I miss carpooling to races and getting to know my teammates a little better after having spent a few hours in the car with them. I miss sharing cabins and hotel rooms with my teammates. I miss the pre-race dinners and celebratory cocktails. No athlete is an island. What do you think? I like everything she had to say. I feel like my favorite race of the year is almost, I feel like maybe I'm just cut from a different cloth because I think everything she had to say about community and experiences and, you know, everything from post-race hugs to sharing an Airbnb, but my actual, I mean, I guess I'll just answer this now, but my favorite race of the year was virtual Boston. And I think for me, it has nothing to do with really anything Boston marathon, but um, I spend most of my time training alone and you don't ever actually get to run a race or kind of accomplish something alone. Cause you might put in all the miles by yourself, but then, you know, when you go to perform or, or uh, have that a goal or whatever, you're with thousands of other people or at a destination. So I, I liked the, I guess the solo venture of, you know, going out on some mountain road all alone and just kind of grinding it out for three to four hours and being able to cross the finish line. And it just kind of made it feel like, if you can do it all the training alone, you always kind of wonder, you know, could you actually show up on race day and also have that success alone? And for me, it was just kind of a defining moment of, yeah, this is doable. Like even when we can't have all the camaraderie and, you know, racing and everything that we've all come to experience and love, like we can still get the most out of the experience and out of ourselves um, in terms of performance. So I think you can have both. I think you can miss everything the way that she does and, and want it. And I think we will get it back, hopefully latter part of next year, maybe early 2022. But I think there's a lot to be said about uh, just getting out there and 
having those solo experiences and learning from those also. I think those two things can coexist. I, I, I think that, that you're saying that, that um, you can take pride in having done virtual Boston solo. Um, I think that can coexist with her saying that she misses and now more deeply appreciates the interdependence of the athletic community. Yeah, um, I just don't think we've talked to anybody whose favorite race of the year was you know, something that they did all by themselves. Mm -hmm. And while I loved all those other experiences and I, and I miss you know, all the things that people talk about in terms of their favorite races of the year, I think, I don't know, for me, I just, my favorite race was something that I was all alone. Yeah, I think that's fair. Did you keep that to yourself, though? <laughs> or did you share that immediately with the others that were around you? Because what? I would say, no, no. So I did the Yeti Challenge also, and I actually didn't do it with anybody. I didn't check in with anybody. I just set this schedule up to where it worked with my work day. And I, I, I went out. I didn't even do it on the same schedule as most people. But I did every four hours. I went out and did my run did all by myself. But I was making sure that the people who follow me on Strava knew what I was doing and they saw it get posted. And then I was talking to my daughter about it. I was talking to my running friends about it. Cause I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I wasn't really, I mean, I was with somebody, I was with a friend. We mm -hmm. went up to blowing rock, North Carolina and ran it in Todd, North Carolina. And y'all all, and all finished had, and got together and came and cheered us on at the Blue Ridge Relay. And yeah. I rock. met you. This was a lead in. This was an opportunity for <laughs> right, oh, but, yeah, you're right. I <laughs> met you that day and your friends and we all talked about our running experience. And then, and then you had that, and then you had that, that post race, uh, you were at Zap Fitness with Pete Ray, we who's been Pete's on the house. podcast. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So, so Pete, the 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 head of Zap Fitness, friend of the podcast, who we've had on here before, um, uh, you know, kind of communing and talking about the race afterwards. So, what you guys are saying is, my whole experience of my favorite race being something I did alone is not really something I did alone. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it was it was it was a singular effort which makes it really special and you had time to you didn't have to think about anybody else watch anybody else doing except for the other blue ridge runners that you were passing <laughs> while you were doing right. <laughs> but but you you were out there on your own which is a really important thing to running i think i think you you can't always run with other people sometimes you just have to go run on your own yeah and i think for me i don't i've never had the experience of actually accomplishing something or crossing a quote unquote finish line when it was all on my own. So I don't know. I just, I'm not saying I want to do it again like that, but I do think it was just something that I, I go back to and I, and I can dig deep from and, and some stuff, maybe now that harder workouts or stuff that I couldn't draw on from any of the previous you know, 10 or 11 marathons I've done. Like this just left me in a different, in a different place mentally. Um, it just added something that I didn't have before. So, yeah. And that's I pretty, agree. That's pretty awesome. George is right. They can coexist. Yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. I, I see, I feel like I definitely am not trying to say that, oh no, you were in a community and I'm, I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to say that at all. Um, I think, and I'm thinking about it as we're talking about it. I think that it, it really wonderfully epitomizes um, both the, the, the loneliness of the long distance runner and the communal aspect of endurance sports. Um, and, and I think that for somebody like me, who, who I have some really introverted sides and I have some really extroverted sides. I mean, and I think 
I'm, 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 I wouldn't call myself an ambivert, somebody who's both introverted and extroverted. I would say I'm almost like bipolar. Like I either need to be total extrovert or total introvert. Like nobody who has a PhD doesn't have an introverted side. Nobody who runs marathons yeah, doesn't have an introverted side, right? You have to have that side in order to be able to do that stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, I also consider myself very extroverted. I, I'm a teacher and I'm, you know, I host this podcast and all that sort of thing. Right. Um, and so uh, there's very little middle ground for me. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've continued to be a runner over the course of the past 30 plus years is because you have both of it's a sport where you have both of those things together that, that if you need to, and sometimes you have to go off and be by yourself, but then there's also a larger community of people that you can also meet with and, and be together with and train together with and, and commune with and, enjoy spending time with. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. Patrick, what do you think? Yeah, I actually, I, I found a lot of the um, solo races kind of interesting experience, I think for similar reasons to Michelle, and that's that in a way, a lot of the kind of virtual races encapsulated the kind of um, like depth of, the, like the, the depths that we have to go to when we're trying to accomplish something we haven't before. But right, like there's a there's a time and place to um, run a marathon as like a celebration and to say, hey, I'm glad I made it here. I had a goal to run a marathon, never done it before. Maybe it was part of a weight loss goal or something like that. And the marathon is sometimes almost just a celebration of reaching that goal or of, you know, you know, meeting some other kind of process oriented goal. But a lot of times when you're trying to really do something you've never done before, whether it be PR or you know, run for, uh, you know, a collegiate team or something. It's a lot of miles just by yourself. And like, if you read like once a runner, for example, that's a big theme of that book. I think a little bit too much actually in that book, but you know, the, uh, so it was interesting to run the, the solo races this year because in a way it really kind of honed in on nobody could do this, but you like to run a marathon, you and you alone have to put on lace up your shoes and run a marathon. Mm -hmm. um, this is not the, this is not a hobby for the faint hearted. Mm -hmm. This is not something that can be bought. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So um, there, I, I definitely had that same kind of reaction to the, the races themselves because they were, they were the first dramatization of that kind of internal kind of go to the well mentality that you have to have to put in an A plus performance in a marathon right or any long distance race. Right on, right on. Um, big shout out to Lauren Fogarty for, uh, for, for sending us her words and we appreciate those. And uh, hopefully I, uh, I was able to, to effectively convey her sentiment there, uh, even though I was simply reading her words. Um, can I add one more see. point too about Lauren's? Yeah, well? please. I loved her point about, and I can't remember exactly what she said, but she was talking about Peachtree and Boston mm -hmm. and, and Peachtree specifically for us. And she said, I she loved said, how- and She said Boulder, Boulder, because she went to, she yeah. went to the University of Colorado and Boulder, That's Boulder right. Yes. The okay. Yeah. I knew that was, that one was there for a reason. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I love the pride in the city. That's yeah. part of that race. Yeah. And I love that too, because, you know, in a world where we're all kind of in our own little Zoom calls, right? Even pre-COVID, we, you know, a lot of our time is just spent watching our own individual TVs. There's something about a, a, a spectacle like Peachtree that just brings everybody out and, and kind of allows us to, um, to kind of personify or show our pride in our city and our mm -hmm. and our people. Yeah. That, that we get missed this year. Yeah. And I think to her point, and I think George, even to your point before, 
having the Olympic marathon trials here, you know, in Atlanta, in our hometown was like the peach tree on steroids (laughs) because it was all of that. Plus, I mean, you know, obviously in a much kind of densely, more densely populated area for spectating, but it was just thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And it wasn't just local. It was runners from all over the country and fans from all over the country. And it just was such a high for Atlanta. So I think, you know, if you can tap into that, like there's nobody that I can't imagine, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I can't imagine there's anybody that doesn't want some type of experience like that again, whether it's Peachtree or Boulder Boulder or another Olympic marathon trials, which I don't think Atlanta is going to host again, but it will be somewhere. So <laughs> Not until they change the setup. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> That's for sure. All right. So I'm going to take a slight turn here and, and we're going to play the audio now from Justin and Justin. <laughs> Justin I have and questions Justin, about this. <laughs> so Justin and Justin, you will call the cycling enthusiast that I had to bring on to the podcast. This is before Eric came on the podcast, but I had to bring on uh, uh, two outside experts to talk to me uh, about cycling since, uh, since Patrick and Michelle refused. <laughs> um, but of course, I reached out to, uh, to, to Justin and Justin and asked them uh, about their ideas about the best races of the year and their big takeaways of the year. All right, we're welcoming back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast, Justin Smith and Justin Dugan. Fellas, thanks for being here at our year end. Hey, how are you? Good, good, good. So we we decided to reach out to everybody about their thoughts on the end of the year here. And of course, we had to include Justin Smith and Justin Dugan. Appreciate you being here, fellas. We're asking everybody two questions. Uh, Question number one, what is your favorite race of the year? A race that you did, a race that you watched, something else like that. Uh, Justin Dugan, what about you? So I was hoping to have a favorite race of the year, um, which was going to be the Cloudland Canyon 50K, but unfortunately, I sprained my ankle really bad in that race, and I can't talk about myself having a good race when I didn't get to finish it, unfortunately. So um, I was going to bring up two things I really enjoyed. One was uh, the Tour de France, which ended really well, and I think somebody on this podcast might have even mentioned (laughs) who might win that race, Um, but you know, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to talk about the Giro d'Italia, which... I thought was fantastic. That was a big surprise because people that were supposed to win it weren't in it. You know, I thought Dekunik was set up with Remco Evenepoel. He gets hurt. I thought Enios was set up with Garen Thomas. He got hurt in it. Um, but my star of that race was Filippo Ghana. Mm-hmm. He had just won the time trial world championships. He goes into that race, wins his first race in the rainbow stripes with like the fastest time trial ever. Um, He came out with the best nickname for a world championship of Top Ghana. Um, He had the prettiest bike I think I've ever seen. He won four stages in that race. He wore the pink jersey for two days. Uh, I don't think he rode lower than 500 watts the entire time. Um, He won like a hilly breakaway stage too. Like, I mean, he he was just impressive. That was a fun race to watch because it was a bunch of guys that really, you know, showed out pretty well. Like, you know, um, what is it? Jai Almeida, you know, I'm probably butchered his name, but he was in pink for, I think, like 14 days. And he was kind of the fill-in guy that took Remco Evenepoel's spot for Dekunik. Um, And it was just exciting. It was teams that kind of had to alter their plans and, and have a different race than they, than they were expecting 
and it, and it made it fun to watch it. You know, it was, I think a little bit more exciting because it was unplanned and, you know, surprises. So I, I thought that was fun. That was the most fun I watched uh, in cycling races this year. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Giro d'Italia always is a little bit unpredictable, a little bit chaotic. And of course in 2020, you know, that was even more unpredictable and more, un, or more chaotic, but yeah. Teo Gegenhardt uh, is, is not a name that we would have mentioned as a potential winner of the Giro d'Italia, I think prior to, to that race, even though, as I mentioned to, to both of you via text before we got together on this call, if one of you didn't mention that Justin Dugan said, Tadej Pogacar is probably going to win the tour uh, or at least threw out his name there. And I very much ridiculed that notion in our previous. He didn't have to do any work. He had, he had eight guys working for him with a different shirt on. And uh, he, he really made his presence known that last day. For sure. For sure. Right on, right on. Justin Smith, what was your favorite race of the year? Uh, so it's hard to come up with just one. So I've got, I've got two, well, three, three. <laughs> um, so, you know, as far as like for me racing, there was, I raced once. It wasn't the best race. So I, I can't say that was my favorite race. Uh, so we'll just kind of forget about that one. But as far as, <laughs> you know, watching, I think the tour, and I know like everybody says it every couple of years that it's the best tour ever, but I, I honestly think that was probably one of the, best tours that i've seen in yep. years mm -hmm. um i think i nailed the podium i believe i mean we can check the <laughs> tape on it but uh uh you know pogachar that was a impressive ride by him um richie port finally getting on the podium mm -hmm. that was pretty mm -hmm. awesome yeah. i actually started rooting for him i didn't want him to crash i was so nervous for him that last week mm -hmm. but you know just like i think one of the the stage 17, that Colda Los, I believe, mm -hmm. that new climb, that one that they did some extra paving. I think watching that, it was just amazing. Some of the best scenery, some of the best shots. It just shows you how tough that race is. Um, it was an impressive ride by the top three guys in that stage. And I, mean, I just was blown away by that stage. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely the tour. Um, as far as like the running, races um it was a little weird because there was no crowds there but the Valencia half marathon was yeah. probably one of the best races i've ever watched that was just mm. impressive from the start um you had four guys go under 58 minutes mm -hmm. uh, was uh, oh geez what's his name um candy breaking the world record by 31 seconds um in adidas not nike's uh, that was pretty cool. And I believe, um, was it Ronix Kiprutu, uh, the, his marathon, half marathon debut and went under the old world record, but he's now the fourth fastest in history. Uh, that's kind of, I guess a bitter pill for him to swallow, but, um, just that race was an amazing race. They just did not let off the gas. You know, when I did the calculations on their mile splits, it was insane. I yeah. think it was like what 422 pace. Yeah. That's yeah. just mm -hmm. ungodly. Yeah. Right on, right on. Yeah, I th I think the the thing that unites all three of the races that that you all have mentioned here is that that people were racing with a sort of abandon that we didn't see people race that we don't normally see people race with, you know. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that unites so many of the really great races and really almost all of the races um, from about March forward. 
is that people were racing like there was no tomorrow. Um, and that definitely made for more exciting racing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right on, oh, right and, on. And, and one more that I got to throw one more in there just because, you know, you can't have one favorite race, right? You have to have three. <laughs> uh, just, I think like the, uh, the trials, the marathon trials in Atlanta, that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever been to. Um, I actually volunteered. So I was, I was at the hotel the day, two days before, um, doing, uh, you know, helping athletes, uh, giving them directions and getting to meet a bunch of the runners was really cool. And actually on race day, you know, it seems so long ago now to think that it was 10 months ago and that there were crowds and, but just the, the atmosphere, the amount of people that were out there, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's hard for anybody who's from Atlanta to not say that the marathon trials was one of their favorite races of the year. <laughs> yeah. 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 It so. just, it seems crazy that it was this year. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. Yeah. The, the, the year, if nothing else, uh, seems to be split between like the before and the after, you know, right there around, I guess right around March 15th, right around the time that, the, that they closed the schools. Um, yep. uh, everything seems mm -hmm. to kind of be before that and after that. So before that, the favorite race of the year was, and after that, the favorite race of the year was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very different, very different, very good. Um, well, the other thing we're asking everybody is your big takeaways from this uh, unique year, um, be they sporting takeaways or or life takeaways, or of course both. Um, Justin Dugan, what are you going to take away from twenty twenty? Um, I think my biggest takeaway is how strong I feel the, the endurance community got this year. Um, it, it was interesting for me being that plans changed, races fell off the calendar. I pivoted and did a lot of things differently. I spent some time with some good friends uh, running at Kennesaw Mountain every weekend. And every weekend we saw people that we knew. We saw people that we didn't know. We saw just tons and tons of people. And when you're out there every Sunday at the same time, you start to see the same people, even that you don't know, and they say hi, and you kind of expect to see them at certain places. And, you know, it, it, it was a really strong community feel. Everyone was kind of proud of each other out there. Um, when races did happen, I had people reaching out to me, asking me about things that I haven't talked to in a long time. And I really felt like people cared about one, one another a lot more, even if it's somebody that you might not even be all that close with it was it was just really strong and pleasant and everybody was rooting for each other so i i think i'm going to try and carry that into next year and years going forward and just and try and care more about what others are doing what i'm doing and and keep that tight community i mean that that was really special to me this year right on right on yeah there's there's definitely a lot of things that we want to persist in the after um, and, yeah. and that definitely sounds like something that, we, that I would like to see persist in the after, you know, definitely. Um, very cool. Justin Smith. Wow. Uh, that's tough to go after. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, as far as like, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, um, just the racing that happened this year, it was some of the most phenomenal racing with so much uncertainty going on. Um, if there was going to be races, uh, so, I, you know, I was just looking through earlier as looking at all the world records that were set this year, and it's it's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and they weren't just, you know, 
one two second world records. I mean, you know, half marathon was 30 seconds, but you got road and track five and 10 K for the men, um, half marathon world record. I think the women's five K world record, uh, one hour record for both men and women. And I think the women, there was like two or three times in the half marathon that it changed. So I, I'm, I'm not sure on that one, but you know, just as far as, you know, the, with the elites, um, with so much uncertainty, just the ability for them to stay focused and come out there and just race. I mean, there was no messing around. It was just flat out racing all year long. So that was pretty impressive. And for me, um, I know, I mean, I, I pretty much did a bunch of solo miles, kind of let the, you know, I know I was planning to do a marathon in December, so that didn't happen. So I kind of, you know, I think next year I'm more excited for next year and more excited to really buckle down. You know, I want to, I had some goals for this year, but you know, it makes me more excited for the next year where hopefully I can get some racing in um, and be able to hit my goals. So I'm, I'm just excited to kind of get a fresh start and, and, uh, hit those uh, marathon goals that we will surely be talking about. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So talking about things that, that you hope persist into the after, certainly we, we, we hope that we'll all be able to race a whole lot more and, and a whole lot more consistently and reach our goals. But I, but I hope the pros will, will continue to bring with them whatever that attitude was that made all those fast times this year, <laughs> you know, whatever that was. Yeah, and, and, and it goes for, for, for the, the bike racing as well, where times of course don't matter as much. It's all about the competition, but, but what, whatever that, that, that competitive spirit or that drive or whatever it was, um, I hope that that persists. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, Gentlemen, happy new year. And, uh, and thanks for being with us here on our year end wrap up podcast. Thank happy you, new George. Year. Thanks guys. Thank you. All right, y'all. There you have it. Justin and Justin talking to us about their favorite race of the year. Justin Smith threw you a bone, Michelle. He, uh, he, he actually gave you a couple of running races there as well. Not just cycling races. Justin Dugan, my man, sticking with the cycling. <laughs> I agree with all the running races that he so, mentioned. So, absolutely. Well, well let, let's put it this way. When it comes to their favorite races of the year, um, you can take my word for it or you can check for yourself. The Grand Tours of this year, the, the Giro d'Italia, the Tour of Italy, the Tour of France, the Tour of Spain, um, they were all pretty amazing races. Um, the only one that, that followed the script in terms of who won was the Tour of Spain. Um, but, but really almost kind of unheard of very at best dark horses are the people who won uh the tour of italy and the tour de france um and people were racing um as as justin smith and i were talking about there at the end and as you and i have talked about before michelle people were racing in those races as if they could have gotten canceled the next day and they could yeah have. Um, i mean that is one takeaway i think from 2020 is just when people had the chance to race they raced with abandon like we, I would love, I mean, I think we would all love to see that continue. What he mentioned about, you know, four guys, 58 minutes, Valencia half marathon. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented. You're, you're the fourth place guy and you broke the record for the half marathon. Right. So um, we saw it here. Shelby Houlihan ran a 5k, I think 15, 1434. And then we saw her go out the next week and run 14, 14 22. 23, mm -hmm. 22. I mean, she's, 
shattered one American record and then shattered, you know, her own American record the next time. So I, I hope, you know, to his point, one thing we've seen this year is you don't need big races and you don't need big prize money. I mean, these athletes do need it. This is their livelihood, but it doesn't have to be on the table for us to see some great, uh, just digging deep and racing hard. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In some ways, I feel like 2020 gave us a glimpse of how good pro athletes actually are. Sure. If that makes a sense, because, because there's a lot of things that factor into and Eric and, and, and Patrick, I'm interested to hear what y'all have to say about this as well. There's a lot of things that factor into how much effort an athlete puts into a particular race. Um, and, and I think it's particularly true with triathletes. I think it's particularly true with cyclists, but they don't go into every race planning to give a 100% effort, right? Runners do a little bit more often than, than, than triathletes and certainly cyclists. Um, but, but they don't, there's just a lot of factors that kind of go in, or if they're feeling bad on the day, do they back off? Or if they like get broken off from the, from the lead, do they kind of say, oh, I'm just going to pack it in and save it for my race next week or something else like that. There's so many factors that go into that, and none of those factors were at play this year. Um, and and instead, people were racing. They were like, "This is my one chance, and I might not be feeling good, but you know what? To hell with it. I got a race today." Or there, they we missed the split here in that opening lap, um, but we're going to keep on running anyway because because we need to do this race, and this is the only race we're going to have this month. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think that that kind of racing like there's no tomorrow. Um, and all of them racing to the best of their abilities is, is something that we just don't really get to see as fans all that often. So we'll see if that persists in the after. <laughs> what do y'all think? Eric, Eric, Patrick, what do y'all think? Yeah, I, I would focus almost more on the uh, different part of their interview. And that was where they mentioned how it seemed like more people were able to run and cycle this year, not professional athletes, but just kind of the general population. Because mm-hmm. that is a trend I definitely noticed just in my own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I was like, I remember it like in March, April, I was like, where are all these runners coming from? <laughs> <laughs> um, who are you people? Um, yeah, like the number of Strava users doubled this year. Yeah. yeah and then Strava, like totally, um, like proved my just the, I think the intuition a lot of us had. Mm-hmm. And it's, and so you made the point of that 2020 showed us just how great professional athletes are. I would take it a second step and say 2020 shows just how great amateur runners are. Cause for a lot of us, we had the burden of traffic relieved from our lives. And so <laughs> we're commuting. like, well, yeah. now that I have an extra hour and a half in a day, I'm going to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the, the, the choke point that kept people from running more so than like laziness or what, you know, whatever kind of negative connotation you want to, you know, imprint on people. It was just that, they didn't have time. They weren't home. And then this year when we weren't commuting to work to and from work every day, a lot of us had more time. So we could do something. We didn't have um, some of the burdens we, we generally have in, in life that, that prevent us from starting a routine that we enjoyed. And right I think on, people found, That's a good point. I think people found that, you know, outside is safe. So if you've got nowhere to go, I mean, you've got the walls of your home or, go for a walk or go for a job, go for a bike ride. I mean, my, mm-hmm. my neighborhood was, I've never seen so many people, you know, out and about and still, uh, so mm-hmm. I yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. Sales. Grace and I started avoiding the greenway because yeah. we go out there and you're going to get run over. 
like wow. from the, the, the bikers. There's so many bikers out there and I love it that they're all out there, but they're not all that good at biking. <laughs> you don't always hear them coming. And there's, there's 10 runners across the trail and this biker comes blowing through at you know, 18 miles an hour and you're going to get run over. But I mean, in that, it, it's fascinating though, that like the Greenway in, in Raleigh, where, where you live, Eric, what a great thing that y'all have. We have something similar right. in Atlanta area called the, called the Silver Comet Trail. Um, and it's, it's great that they've, they've converted these spaces, but they clearly, when they built them, they didn't expect the number of people to be using them that use them this year to be using them. Otherwise yeah, it would have yeah. been bigger. You know, there would have been more robust. Beltway, same thing. Yeah, yeah, Beltway in Atlanta, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, very good. But the sucker but, needs to be a six lane highway, not a belt line. Belt line. Belt line. Thank you. Thank belt you. Line. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. Beltway is in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Important distinction. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I like your point, uh, uh, Patrick, about, yeah, this woke up a lot of the, the amateur athlete in a lot of us as well. Um, I think that's cool. Um, and certainly, you know, Patrick, you've said many times on this podcast, you think everybody should run. Well, maybe 2020 granted that wish for you. Maybe there's a silver lining after all. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So I, I want to go back to your original question, George. You said, you know, why was this the year of all these breakout performances? And, you know, I, I love the, well, shoot, I have to do it. So I'm going to throw it all out there. Uh, we, we talked about, or you and Michelle talked about, well, I got to keep my sponsor. So I have to perform because this is my livelihood, right? And this might be my only chance this year. It's not about just performing. It's about livelihood. But I think there might be another thing at play, and I actually definitely think there's another thing at play, and I think it, it applies to the amateur uh, cyclist and runner also. Um, time. It comes to what Patrick said, time. And if you, if you read, I read this great quote, and I've read it before on Fell Runner. Uh, Jonathan Savage says, it's not the effort that you put in that makes you more fit. It's the rest that you get afterwards that actually makes you more fit. Sure. And I would bet i i would bet a lot i don't want to like put some number out there on the <laughs> fact that most of these athletes that threw down these crazy performances there this year that broke these records had more rest mm -hmm. they didn't have the pressure to compete for their sponsorship or whatever because they couldn't the, the race didn't exist so instead of this livelihood you know breadwinning racing going on it was i have this big race coming up and I'm also actually really prepared for it. And they didn't have the jet yeah, I mean, lag. For the stuff. track athletes, Amen, you know, logistically. Brother. Yeah. I mean, especially for the track athletes, logistically, they didn't have to travel to Europe for right. six weeks at a time and live out of a suitcase and, right. you know, yeah. constantly racing the Diamond Eat, League circuit. I mean, they just got to kind of wake up. Yeah. yeah. Eating weird food, you you're away from your friends. Out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In no well, other sport do we do anything about this in the past, not having to drive to work. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, like as college, like track athletes, your time gets worse when you get to college because all of a sudden you get to college and they're like, we want you to run 25 races a year for 28 weeks and you're going to eat fast food all weekend. Mm -hmm. Now have fun running. And it's like, in what other sport do we do this? Like, Oh, and don't miss class. Yeah. No. You know, <laughs> yeah. No, and so so this actually segues into talking about what my favorite race is of the year, but we actually don't need to dwell on it too much because I feel like we've talked about all the things that make it special. Um, but my favorite race of the year, Michelle, can you guess what my favorite race of the year was? Uh, your marathon. 
It the was Olympic not. Marathon it, was, trials? It, was, it was not the Los Angeles Marathon. The, the Olympic Marathon oh. trials are super fun and special. But when I think about like special 2020 stuff, I just don't think about the marathon trials. It's the fantastic. 5K you ran down in the river. It was not the 5K I ran down the river or the five miler virtual race where I finished second behind one Patrick Ollinger or that <laughs> other 5K virtual race where I finished second behind one Patrick Ollinger. Um, but, 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 Don't forget no. Jekyll. So, so, oh yeah, or, or the Jekyll half marathon where I finished second place behind one Patrick Marathon, behind one Patrick Ollinger. Patrick <laughs> bring that up. is faster than George. It is just so, a fact. So, in 2020, he was. So not the second half. it's going to be a new year. <laughs> um, but no, my favorite race of the year was one that I watched and it was the, uh, the Portland inner squad meet. Um, and it's where Mo Ahmed, who is a runner from, from Canada, uh, ran uh, 1247 and set a Canadian record. Um, that was pretty amazing also. Yeah. And it was, it was incredible and it, it, it was fun to watch, but 1247, um, he broke his own Canadian record by six seconds and he became one of the top 10 fastest 5k runners of all time. Now, don't get me wrong. Joshua Cheptegei set the world record in both the 5k and the 10k this year on the track. And that was super impressive as well. But there was something about watching Mo Ahmed at this inner squad meet with nobody there. And it wasn't even like a stadium. It was like a high school track. Um, and, and his teammates were pacing him, his training partners were pacing him and he just throws down one of the top 10 fastest five K's of all time. Um, it was, it was, there was something very pure about it and there was something very inspiring about watching that happen. Um, and so, uh, I was, I was blown away by, by his ability to, to do that on that Friday night in, in Portland, Oregon. Um, and so that was fun to watch. <laughs> that was my favorite the race of the year. Um, all right. Uh, so we've heard from Justin and Justin. We have heard from Lauren Fogarty. We've heard from Katie Bennett. Um, let's hear from Chuck Sims. Do y'all remember Chuck Sims? Talked to him early in the year. Um, he is from Elemental Altitude. He's actually been on the podcast a couple of times as well because he originally worked for Slayer X and he's the one who conducted our sweat test uh, when Patrick and I went there last year and suffered through that those hot rooms uh, in order to see what our sweat rates were. Uh, and then he opened his own business in the back of the all three sports here in Atlanta um, called Elemental Altitude, where he simulates altitude. And you can go into uh, this room um, where altitude is simulated, where they cut the amount of oxygen um, and, and do workouts at altitude, even though you're, you're just in this room. Um, and so kind of a cool thing. He came on and talked a little bit about that. And so I reached out to him and asked him what his big takeaways from the year. Uh, his favorite event uh, of 2020 was a triathlon called the Tugaloo Triathlon, which is here in Atlanta. And he said, for several reasons, uh, with all the event cancellations that happened this past year, Tugaloo was the first event that many of my athletes were able to participate or compete in. They were itching to put their fitness levels to the test. Many local race directors were struggling to stay afloat with having to cancel their planned events. Jim Rainey, who's the race director of the Tugaloo Triathlon, was finally able to get approvals in place, get enough entries, and put on a safe, successful triathlon during the pandemic. I felt like that was a huge success for everyone involved. For me personally, it was great to be able to go and spectate not only my athletes racing, but see a lot of friends and familiar faces for the first time since everything had gone bad. Some sense of normalcy for the first time in a long time. So again, I feel like in that he's like reflecting a lot of these things we've already talked about, right? Um, that that uh, coming together with 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 uh, various people and and having a race and and the community and on all that stuff. Uh, and then the biggest takeaway from the year uh, for him, he said, it's introspection on why I do this. 
Um, and he said, this one has been a few years of self-analysis and being introspected on why endurance sports has been a part of my life, full disclosure. The last nine months have given me the opportunity to look back at my own life over the last few years and realize that much of it was escapism, using training and events to fill voids in my life. When you become comfortable in your own skin, though, when you learn that happiness is your own responsibility and you find fulfillment in your personal life, endurance sports or any other personal hobby for that matter, can be fully realized and enjoyed. I've allowed much of that part of my life to fall to the side while still maintaining my love of coaching others, but I have to now start slowly bringing it back to my own life because I do miss the training days, events, travel, camaraderie, and most importantly, I miss getting in better health overall. Uh, and then he went on to say, sorry if this is too personal. If it's weird or doesn't fit in the podcast format, I understand. Being at home 98% of the time since March gives you a lot of th time to think through things. Uh, and so I thought it was sort of an interesting thing that, that Chuck said there that, that he thought a lot about his why even over the last, last few years. And he kind of came to this conclusion that he didn't have a good reason for endurance sports. That endurance sports for him were, were a way of him avoiding some, some issues in his life that he needed to take a deeper look at. And so he got away from endurance sports, took a deeper look at those things, addressed those things himself. And now he actually wants to get back into endurance sports for all those kind of secondary reasons that we talk about as well. I thought that was an interesting and, and, and really blatantly honest thing that, that, that Chuck shared with us there. What do y'all think about that? I think that's brilliant. Just, in, I mean, there's, there's wisdom in knowing not just what you love, but why you love it. I really love that, that statement, happiness is your responsibility. You know, stop. Um, you can run to things and you can run away things, away from things. And it sounds like uh, he found that he was running away from things and he needed to maybe turn around and run to some things and um, and find, you know, take advantage of uh, maybe this quiet time with himself, this time away from other people in his tribe, as, as Patrick said, and take that responsibility for himself. Right on. Mm -hmm. Right on. I, think I realized, cool. by the way, how often I say right on when I was listening to, to me talking to Justin and Justin. Oh, you say <laughs> it all the time. Is this the first time you've realized that? <laughs> no, it's not the first time I've realized it. <laughs> okay, good. Oh. I just, I thought I was doing better. Because <laughs> you actually do it right on, right on, right on. Like you, it's almost like we're on the whip. There's like four or Everybody five. It's not just once. It's like yeah. right on, right on. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought I was doing better. Evidently, I'm not. So good to know. Right on. So right on. <laughs> <laughs> and and for those of you who missed what Eric just said, he said it's kind of like you're on Zwift because on Zwift they give you what are called ride-ons uh, <laughs> rather than kudos. And so somebody will be passing you on the bike and they'll go ride on. All right. Let's listen to one last piece of audio here coming from our friends at SlayerX, Kara Sasser and Harvey Gare from SlayerX. I reached out to them uh, and asked them the same two questions we asked everybody else. And uh, let's hear what they had to say. All right. We are happy to welcome back to the podcast, the crew from SlayerX. We have Kara and Harvey. Welcome, y'all. Hey, thanks, George. Hey, George. We appreciate your being with us here on this year-end podcast. And we've been asking everybody two big questions. The first one, what was your favorite race of the year? Uh, so my Favorite race of the year. Um, I guess you know most of us probably did at least a few virtual races, uh, and that was that was kind of fun. We actually uh, Slayer X actually hosted one, which was kind of a fun experience for me being on the the, the hosting side of race, having run a lot of them but not actually uh, seen the all the work that goes into putting them on. And obviously, a virtual race is nowhere near the same level of uh, coordination, but it was still neat. 
Um, but my favorite actual race, the only physical race I was able to do this year was um, the Columbus Day Relay, uh, which in Columbus, where I live in Columbus, Georgia, we do, um, it's just like a big, like 60 some odd loop around the city and you do it in a relay team. And it's great because, you know, the starts are staggered. So you're really never near other people. I mean, I think I, you know, I maybe passed one person and one person passed me and that's about it the whole entire day. Um, and it's, I don't know, I, I, I've done like run across Georgia and other, that, that type of race before. And I've it definitely made me realize how much, you know, I love that format. It's just, mm -hmm. I don't know, you feel like you're on like an adventure with your friends and yeah. I don't know. To me, I really, I really love that. Awesome. Very um, good. And it yeah. came in a time of the year when you hadn't raced in a while, right? And so, so it was probably a little bit of a refresher, right? Oh, it was actually, it was like came at the perfect time because I was kind of, you know, I kind of needed something to, because my, I was signed up to do the inaugural year of um, the Memphis, Ironman Memphis 70.3, which was, was supposed to be in October. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I kind of was bumming a little bit about not being able to do that. Um, and then, you know, a friend invited me to be on their relay team and it just really kind of motivated me to get back into heavier training and, um, I don't know, it, was, it, it did, it came at a great time and it was so much fun. If you ever have a chance, you know, I think they're talking about bringing back like run across Georgia, um, you know, some point in the future, uh, if you ever have a chance, I mean, it's just, it's just so much fun. It really is. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, it's exhausting, but I mean, that's kind of our thing. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Right. Um, and then I guess that was the other question you had was about, um, you know, how my, this changed my perspective on this year. And actually that race was a good, uh, kind of a, a good example of, of how this, what year made me feel about like running in particular, it was really like kind of my constant, like, you know, I've always thought of myself as a, a social runner, mm -hmm. um, you know, started, always would run with friends, you know. It's, it's just easier to talk to people when you're not necessarily looking at them in the face. You're just kind of running beside them and you're kind of committed to, okay, this is how many miles we're doing. And aside from maybe some traffic, you're not really distracted from the conversation that much. Um, so I knew that I was a social runner, but then in the spring when everything kind of shut down and you know we're taking things pretty seriously for a while there and I started running alone a lot, um, I realized that I also run just because like, I just need to do it otherwise. I mean, it's kind of my structure of my day. It's my, I mean, I, you know, I don't always know what I'm going to do in a given day, but I know how many miles I need. Um, so it really, I don't know, it just it gave me something to do, something to get out of the house. Um, it really, it just kind of, I mean, it was something I guess I always kind of knew subconsciously, but it really nailed it home for me that running is just probably like one of the biggest components of my sanity. <laughs> mm. You know, it's how I make friends as an adult. It's how I, um, you know, it's how I get my endorphins and exercise, but it's just, it's, I don't know, it's a lot more than that. Um, and this year really kind of put that into perspective for me. I, we, we've heard something similar from a lot of people that, that running was so, sort of something they, they always presumed they did on the side. And then it turns out it was something that really is more of an anchor to their life. It's more central to who they are, which I totally understand. Um, yeah yeah that's 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 a good way of saying it it's very much uh it's just how I mentally you know stay in a good place it's just really it's it's, it's more important to me than I even realized like I mean I knew it was important to me but I just didn't realize how important I guess yeah right on Harvey sure. what was your favorite race of the year 
well, I watched this this Hawaiian race that me and you both starred in, but you did it twice. <laughs> Keep reviewing videos of that because I have to live in the past nowadays. So you see, I've aged quite a bit, and first time I've got hair in 20 years here, George. Looking sharp, looking sharp. Oh, thank you. Oh, uh, yeah. My, the race for me was a series of races, really. Jim Rainey from Multi Sports, Georgia Multi Sports, um, is a local race director, and all the local race directors and all the race directors, period, but all the local race directors have really taken a beating. And uh, we sponsored a series for Slay RX, and you know, we go out there and we cheer for them and we hand out drinks and you know, give him some electrolytes and some cheering. And um, he just decided he was going to pull it off. And I guess around August, September way, when everybody was really, really feeling defeated. When is this going away? When are we going to see freedom again? When are we going to normalize? Um, he pulled out like three or four sprint triathlon. Tugaloo was the first one. And um, Lake Lanier, we also did one in Macon. And just, you know, he put them together and the athletes came from all over so eager um, to show uh, how um, out of practice they were. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you know, fun watching transitions when people haven't done anything <laughs> for over a year. I mean, I, I could have done one of those YouTube blooper videos from watching transition, but just to see that the, the American spirit come fighting through and you know indefatable just um you know we're gonna we're gonna do this thing and people some would race with a mask on because you know at that point there was still i mean there obviously we're all social distancing but you know you're already taking a pretty big chance doing that kind of race um uh, being so close in proximity no matter you know jim rainey had staggered the bikes far apart and did everything he could for social distance, but you just can't help but getting out swimming that, you know, even if they're staggered swim starts, they still end up coming out somewhat similar. So um, just to see them fighting together and some with masks and some without, and, and just, you know, giving us high fives as they came through to slay RX tents, uh, you know, that was just a brilliant feeling, you know, kind of give you chills every time you'd see somebody saying like, thanks for being out here. Thanks for making this thing happen. And, and, and I give a ton of credit to Jim and any other race director that managed to put something together at the end of the year. Cause um, you know, people really needed, it, it was obvious they needed it. It was the, you know, the tonic for the soul of the, of the triathletes and the runners that were um, racing and just being a part of it from the, you know, being a part of it from the outside looking in, but being there, meant a lot to me and to everybody else. So that was that was my race of the year, was that series, the Georgia Multisports, three or four that he pulled off at the end. Very good, very good. And I feel like based on what you just said, I can imagine what your big takeaway of the year is gonna be, but looking back on 2020 here, amidst all the things that happened and didn't happen as a result of the pandemic, um, what's your big takeaway? Well, you know, I take, I take a, I, my my biggest example and the thing I will never forget being a part of was there's a fellow named Bob Ford. He's a health coach that I coach and um, he helps people get control of their um, nutrition and their food. And, and uh, 
and he's a hell of a guy just as you know just a hard-working you know really nice guy doesn't have a bad word to say about anybody and uh, always got a smile on his face but he was dead set on a Boston qualifier and this was his backup plan from Ironmans and 70.3 Ironmans and um, he wanted to get to Boston this was this was going to be his year and he booked a race um, early in the year um, to you know for like a early season attempt at it and we had to keep pushing these attempts off. And this guy was at like a peak training. We went from um, trying to find races in Washington State. We went to Idaho. We went to South Dakota for looking for races that were going to keep going in spite of COVID. And, and Bob would just not give up. He'd have to buy flights and hotels and cancel flight and cancel hotels and keep on juking and jiving until he could find one. We looked like we finally had one that was I'm going to say September in Massachusetts. And then at the last minute, they threw in some, you had to have like three day negative, uh, a test within the last three days of being negative. And so we canceled Massachusetts. And I was like, wow, I just cannot keep you peaked out. I mean, he was at the, he'd been averaging like 60 plus miles for a guy that never ran over 40 on a regular basis. And, you know, he was just right there ready to go. And, uh, they canceled, they made it hard on us. We couldn't figure out how to get that test and get him into the state. We didn't know what's he gonna do. Is he gonna get arrested or what? Finally, Grand Rapids, Michigan is like on the last, you know, on the last days right before Boston um, closes the gates for whatever it's gonna be in the future. Cause we all were still kind of uncertain about, you know, but this would have been the normal cutoff date for Boston qualifiers for that year. Um, of 2020 and, and to run in 21 and and uh, he gets to Grand Rapids he runs this race um, they have it socially distanced and he gets a nine minute uh, underneath his age group qualifying time and gets his qualifier he flew in alone flew back home the next day alone uh, on the plane you know obviously a lot of gap in all the seats from Atlanta to to Michigan and, and that was to me that summed up this year, which is, you know, there are people that will continue to fight and that will continue to, to not give up and never quit at pursuing their dreams, even with all this stuff. I mean, I just posted that Sarah Hall um, story from the New York Times, and it's, it just speaks to, the, to turning um, uncertainty and lemons into lemonade and um, and I was just so impressed by not just Bob, but just this whole year, I've been impressed by the people that just haven't given up. They continue to pursue. And, uh, you know, you just got so much inspiration from these people and it keeps you motivated. Now, of course, you don't need that, George. You're up every morning out there riding your compu trainers at dynamo and all that other stuff but not true man not true <laughs> uh, no I, I i definitely needed it as much as anybody else but i agree with you that 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 drive to continue um has been inspirational it's sad but that we've struggled but there are such good stories if you just scratch the surface and look and see what's going on people are fighting this thing they aren't just throwing in the towel and the fact that all the races are selling out for next year, everybody's still got the, they got the spirit. Very good. Good note to end on. Kara Harvey, we appreciate you being with us here on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Happy New Year. Thank you, George. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having us on.
Yeah, and keep on slaying, George. You guys are doing great on the podcast. We love the crew, and we appreciate all you do for us. And we'll see everybody out there on the uh, courses. Once the races start back up, we will be there. Slay right RX, you guys. Right on, right on. We appreciate Slayer X and all that y'all do for us. And uh, don't forget, everybody, SlayerX.com, here for Slayer X. Thanks. All right, so there you have um, our good friends, Kara and Harvey from, from Slayer X, talking about their big takeaways here. What do you think? I mean, Kara said her favorite race, Columbus Day Relay, and running is an anchor in her life. What do y'all think about that? I mean, I think the running is an anchor in her life is, you know, pretty central theme to this podcast and kind of what we all feel, kind of what we've heard from all of our previous guests that we invited back on to share a little bit of their takeaway from the year, whether it's running or riding, uh, you know, everyone's got to have that constant and have something to hold on to. And I think something that they can go to that's just between or for themselves and if any year <laughs> brought that to the forefront of everyone's lives, it's been this past year. So I like what she had to say about that. It's interesting too, because, you know, part of that anchor, um, I, I think there are several different kind of legs to that. They, or they kind of prop up that, that feeling that it's, that it's kind of our anchor or our home base in our day. Mm-hmm. And one thing I always find with running, and, and it sounds like we've heard this a lot in our, in a lot of our kind of interviews is that, it's amazing how many how many times we have an epiphany during a run or like a run will kind of bring something into focus, right? We'll, we'll realize, hey, you know what? I'm not giving the attention to the people I need to give to like I, you know, like I should, right? Or our, all of a sudden we'll go for a run and it'll help kind of clarify our, our priorities or where we want to put our energy. So I thought that was a pretty interesting um, concept that that I think Harvey brought up specifically to say, you know, in this year where we really need to figure out what the heck we were living for and kind of where we needed to devote our time and energy, the runs or the individual runs help give us time to kind of figure things out and start to kind of have time to ourselves and say, what the heck am I going to do here? Yeah. Yeah. I I've said it before that, that um, I've come to appreciate a lot of aspects of running that are non-competitive aspects of running as I've gotten older and as I've done it longer. And, and um, one of the things I can say as tried as it may sound is that running actually makes me a better person um, Mm -hmm. because it makes me a more thoughtful person. It makes me a more emotionally balanced person Um, getting to spend that time by myself and getting to, like you just said, Patrick, getting to hash out those thoughts in my head, getting to replay conversations um, that, that helps me to be a more thoughtful and, and ultimately a better person. Um, and that's something that, that I, I don't, I haven't found, and maybe I will someday if I'm forced to stop running for some reason, I haven't found anything else that, that, that can play that role in my life. Um, and some of, some of my, my better attributes for lack of a better way of saying it, I, I think are, um, emphasized or, or, um, strengthened by my running. Um, and, and, for that, I'm I'm very fortunate to have found running when I was in tenth grade. <laughs> yeah. So, so the the upside to being hurt uh, this year and being on the injured list is mm-hmm. now my wife, who is not a believer that running made me a better person, <laughs> now is very much saying running made me a better person. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like how much longer do you get start running again? <laughs> oh, when can you get out of the house? <laughs> You sure you don't need to go to the office? (laughs) 
it's safe. Ah, don't worry about it. It's Just a wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, there <laughs> Wash you go. your hands when you come back. There you go. There you go. Uh, and then, of course, you had Harvey. Uh, Harvey said the same race, or at least part of the same race series that, that Chuck had said, which I think that if, if we were to poll uh, Georgia and Southeastern triathletes, a lot of them would say that that was, that was really important for them because you know, I think it, it, it gave them out. a sense of normalcy almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that, that, um, Lauren Fogarty did that race as well. Um, and she talked a little bit about it too. Um, but then I, I appreciate it. And this is something that not many people have talked about. That is actually one of my big takeaways from, from 2022 is, is the resilience of people and of businesses, um, uh, people to, to see themselves through this, um, and, and businesses to, to, to pivot, um, and, and to, to come out the other side. Um, I've been, I've been very impressed by, I've also been unimpressed by some people, I should say, and their inability to, to, to be dedicated. Um, but, but I've been very impressed by a lot of people's resilience and, and, um, fortitude. I mean, to be fair though, what is the other option? Mm-hmm. Like you just either give up or you just keep plowing forward. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, think, I, I, think, do I think, think that's a difference, a mentality difference that most, say, ultra athletes or endurance athletes have that they don't realize others don't have. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the cool things about this year that I saw, you know, you, you, one of the one of the guests mentioned being out there and running and seeing people you've never seen before, but being out there enough times that you keep seeing the same people that you had never seen before. Justin Dugan said that. Justin Dugan said that Grace and I, we did some really long runs on the greenway and the, uh, we have the American tobacco trail here, which is a lot like the comet trail. And I saw some people out there that the first time I saw them, I'd be like, that person is really struggling. (laughs) And the more times we run out there, the more, and they're, they're obviously not someone who has been putting in a lot of miles, but the more times you're out there, they're still out there. They're out there again. They're out there again. All of a sudden you see them with new shoes on and, you know, all of a sudden they've shed the sweatshirt, you know, all of a sudden, and you're thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, that person is learning that trait that these, that endurance athletes just have. You push through to the finish unless you're going to break yourself. And sometimes even if you break, breaking yourself and that person is working way harder than I am. They're showing way much more strength of mind than I am. And the resiliency to take this horrible situation and all this extra time they have on their hands and to apply it to something that they've obviously either done in the past and now are coming back to, or just have never done. I think that's impressive. And I, so I, I really love that point that that word resiliency, I think is huge. I, I can't say from a business perspective, I've thought, you know, thought about that much, but I can say from a running perspective, from an athletic perspective, I'd say that my concept of what an athlete is has been expanded greatly um, by, by yes. the, the, the people I've seen out there. You know, Grace will say to me, she'll say, wow, there's just a lot of people out here today. <laughs> and, you know, we'd go out there, do 10 mile runs and pass 10 people. Now we're passing 10 people every 20 feet. So, yeah, I think I'd it's say- funny. Those people that you see, like day after day and week after week, the first time you see him, you might be like, oh, there's, there's this girl who's playing her music out loud on the trail, you know, or something like that. 
And then the next time you see her, it's just like, oh, there she is again. And then you see her again and she's like, oh, she's playing a different song today. And then you see her again. And she's like, oh, here's my musical pickup. And then next time, oh, she changed her hair color. You know, and it's like almost like you become friends. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had that with people. Yeah, yeah. Parts. And, and, mm-hmm. and like I, I literally sometimes will be running along. And I'll look up and I'll see a familiar face and I'll be like, oh, and, I, and I, I feel almost as if I'm like seeing one of you, like seeing an old friend. And I'm like, oh, wait, I actually don't know that person. <laughs> this only applies to people that run in daylight, right? So, like, <laughs> so yes. Well, Surprisingly, no. I mean, yeah. like, I, I could tell you a lot of, like, night runs around Stone Mountain, especially because then you see even fewer people. Mm-hmm. I also don't know anything about running at night. <laughs> <laughs> you only know things about running first thing in the morning before the sun comes up? I will yeah. say, though, there is a, a, a definitely an increase in the 4 or 5 a.m. contingency around here. Um, and it's just a nod or, you know, a general... Uh, hello or wave across the street but maybe whereas over the past 10 years i've seen the same four people probably up to maybe eight people that are regularly out now mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i guess i would have to agree with that right on right on <laughs> now every time i say right on i'm self-conscious um all right the uh the other thing that harvey said yeah talking there and 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 uh that, that eric said that i think is important too is that idea of runners solving problems it's like, okay, so what's the problem right now that we need to solve in order to be able to, to complete this mile of the race? R- runners, I think, are very problem-solving oriented like that. Um, and I think that that actually um, served us well during this period. Um, that, that that sort of problem-solving mentality um, is, is something that endurance athletes, I think, um, were, were better prepared for than, than non-endurance athletes, right? Um, I, right. I think it's this, the, the realization of in order to run a hundred miles, you have to know how to run two miles mm-hmm. and, and then, and then you make it to five miles. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, Grace and I, we talked about the Charleston 100, we had um, my mother-in-law meet us every five to seven miles. So endurance athletes, ultra athletes break it up mm-hmm. and it gives you a short-sighted, you know, seemingly short-sighted goal to achieve this really long-sighted, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, runners can do that. And I think our endurance athletes do that. And I think the secondary thing is we set these grand goals, but we also sent uh, set secondary and tertiary goals. Mm-hmm. So when things don't work out, you know, I'm not going to make it in 24 hours. Okay. What's my next goal? Well, my next goal was mm-hmm. you know, to be able to get through the 10 miles at this point. What's my next goal? Mm-hmm. My next goal was to be able to finish. So we have this mentality of it's not this one goal. And if that doesn't work, everything falls apart. Good it's, point. There, it's, it's little goals that get us there and, you know, primary, secondary, tertiary ending goals that we're, we can, we can fall back on. That's so, an excellent so, point that is a core of resiliency and being able to morph what you're trying to accomplish to what you are actually capable of based on your physical condition, based on your, you know, the weather, the course, whatever it may be. Right on. Right on. Uh, right on, everyone. <laughs> shout out to, uh, to Harvey and Kara there. Um, I totally agree with you. And I'm, I'm glad that Harvey mentioned that. And I, I think this is a, a fun little conversation we had about it here. Um, but shout out to them. Shout out to Slayerx in general um, for, for their sponsorship for, of us throughout the course of this year. Um, we appreciate everything they've done during what has been a difficult year. And they are rolling out new products as we speak. Um, because, again, just showing that fortitude and resilience. Um, so, so very good. 
All right. As we're looking at the last couple things here, I'm, I'm checking off the list literally of all the things that we have here. Uh, Patrick, you didn't tell us your favorite race. I'll give two quick ones. Number one, go to easy one we've talked about before. Land and Marathon weekend. I don't really know if there's two HP set for that, but it's a lot of fun to see the trials here in Atlanta, see the city of Atlanta come out as one community and support this race. A lot of times the running community is scattered among all the different parks, you know, in Atlanta. So you don't get to see uh, yeah. everyone in full force in a single weekend too, too often outside of a Peachtree. So that was awesome. Not too much to cover there. My other favorite race was um, I did a, a virtual mile, which ended up being a blast because me being the kind of running nerd that I am, I decided, well, what's better than running a mile on a track is definitely running a mile downhill and seeing what happens. And <laughs> what happens was, is you get injured. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the truth uh, comes out, Patrick. Well, <laughs> uh, shocking. I ran the fastest mile of the year. So it, honestly, it was, it was more just a, a fun, like, I don't get to do this often. Let's give this a shot and see what happens. Cool, man. Very good. Where did you actually run it? Uh, in my neighborhood. There's a um, hill that's about three quarters of a mile long, about mm -hmm. 1,400 foot drop. So I essentially, right. I mean, I could have just jumped out of a building that was like a mile off the ground and <laughs> <laughs> recorded at that pace. But um, did you no, it practice was, this every couple of days, maybe four or five times a day. <laughs> no. So what really happened is a friend emailed me or actually Facebook, George and I said, Hey, there's like $500 prize to the top three virtual milers. So I was like, absolutely. I'm in. <laughs> Did you win? I got fourth. Okay. Ah, <laughs> got fourth. Oh, the top three were sub 410. Just, just so, to give you a so. Top three, top three probably had better downhill courses than you did. So exactly. it's all about the course. They're not better runners than you are, Patrick. Definitely. Thank not. you, George. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to wrap up with a special treat. I know that our listeners are fired up about it. I know that Michelle in particular is fired up about it. Eric and Patrick too, I'm sure. But we're going to bring on one more guest here. Uh, and that is my wife, the owner of Blue Pineapple Travel, Casey Dard. Hi, happy to be here. So Casey, of course, came on to talk uh, with Lauren Fogarty, who we already talked about okay. uh, at her favorite race and her big takeaways from 2020 about vegans and, and vegetarianism and all that sort of thing. Casey, what was your favorite race of the year? Can I say LA Marathon? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Tell us why. On well, March 8th, tell us why. Yeah, I feel like we I feel like we just squeezed that in. There was some like grasping the last little bit of racing and traveling and freedom normalcy um, normalcy humanity humanity <laughs> yeah so it was just it was good to actually and i think it also was for us it was the very beginning of tokyo was canceled how do we pivot super fast it was like learning how to what we were about to learn for the rest of the year but yeah very good. And we, we, we went to Disneyland. Land. Yeah, right? went to Disneyland yes. in California. So our sons got to have a, a, a nice trip there and have a lot of fun before everything got locked down. Because what was the, what was the first George, day that George, George was, was a missed? There was a parade that got stuck. And I mean, it was stuck for a really long time. This is at Disneyland. At Disneyland. And George started dancing so much so <laughs> that the poor cast members who like aren't allowed to stop dancing were like, yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a year highlight. <laughs> so, so, yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad you thought that was your highlight. So, so 
this is the reason why Michelle likes Casey because Casey's <laughs> highlight of 2020 is a bunch of people making fun of me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was at Disney yeah. Way Very good. Yeah, she posted on Facebook <laughs> for anybody who wants to friend her and go back and find it. Yeah, yeah, I can we can link it in the show notes if you need. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I will friend anyone who wants to see that. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, and your big takeaway from 2020, Casey, what was it? Oh, well, I'm not a ray of shun- sunshine about 2020, but um I mean, you've probably heard flexibility. That's, I think, something we've been all forced to learn. Um, I've gotten really good at making cocktails. That's been my... (laughs) So, like, lots of alcohol-based lessons that I learned. Um, Very practical. Very practical. Other people, like, did crafts, and I learned cocktails. And what's Um, the takeaway from George's vegan cooking skills? Oh, well, okay. So he's about to try a new vegan lasagna. I gave him oh, a Casey, recipe. We know, we know all about this. Oh boy, do you? <laughs> is this why this has gone on for two hours? <laughs> Y'all just been hearing about this vegan lasagna? He's no, make? they haven't. Well, he's no, he make... just told Lauren and I yesterday. I think. Okay, okay. He's going to make a new vegan lasagna. So um, yeah, no, I like George having something he likes to make. I love to cook. I, of course, I'm not being vegan right now. I'm uh, downstairs making jello shots for tomorrow night (laughs) Um, again back to the bartending i've gotten good at it (laughs) but flexibility that's the deep down um not getting your heart set on much of anything but being able to pivot quickly and uh, come up with something good out of whatever it is you have and that's and that's actually my big takeaway from 2022 so this is the last thing we have to talk about my big takeaway of 2020 um is is um about flexibility in terms of your goals and so i thought as we talked about um a whole lot about my why this year um and what i realized when i was reflecting on the year is that i've always had this very uh, rigid notion of how i can go about accomplishing my why i've had a pretty good sense of, of of why it is that i run but i always felt like in order to to get to my ultimate goals in running, the event had to be something grand. Um, it had to be Kona. It had to be all six marathon majors. It had to be Berlin, Tokyo, and Boston all in the same year. Um, and I still like that stuff, and I still want to do that stuff. But I think one of my big takeaway and my biggest takeaway from 2020 is that I can still be satisfied as an endurance athlete just by doing like a Tuesday afternoon race on Zwift. Um, mm-hmm. And so the path that I have to follow or the path that I can follow in order to satisfy myself as an endurance athlete doesn't have to be what I've always thought it had to be. So yeah, flexibility. Good lesson. I thought so too. Maybe not as good as right on, being able right to make on. a good martini, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> right on. Michelle is over there wishing we would have brought Casey on sooner. <laughs> right on. <laughs> At least an hour ago. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Patrick. So good to have you back, man. Give us one last word or one last sentence here for 2020. Uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. What do you mean? Like, because of year 2020? Like, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Eric, give us one last word, one last sentiment for 2020. Four words. Right on, right on. Onward, indeed. Michelle. Wear a mask. Indeed, mm-hmm. indeed. 
light at the tunnel definitely lets you see the inside of the tunnel, but it doesn't mean that you're at the end of the tunnel, yeah. Oh, it seems like a long tunnel to get through right now. For sure, for sure. Casey, you want to give us the last word since you're still here? I, I don't think that would, I think it would like change your rating on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. All right. She's been well, sampling the jello shots. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> My last word of, of 2020 for everybody is thanks. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, for Michelle. Thank you, Casey, uh, for spending so much time with me this year doing something that I find really satisfying, um, and that is spending time talking to you good people about uh, sports that we all appreciate. Um, and thank you for everybody who listens uh, and interacts with us uh, for taking so much time with us in 2020 as well. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks, George. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, at Facebook, facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, SlayerX. You can find them at SlayerX.com on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Here4SlayerX. That's the number four, Here4SlayerX. On Instagram at Here4SlayerX. Again, the number four. And on Twitter at OfficialSlayRX. Don't forget the discount code PLEASANT2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.